0: Guess what? We're going to learn. Thought I need something catchy so they'll remember that. Don't worry, there's one for every Sunday. Yeah. Hey, speaking of fruit, what did the mama melon say to the two teenage melons? I don't know what. You can't elope. Oh, hey, what's brown and hairy and wears sunglasses? No, a coconut on vacation. I told you, no heckling. Security. Why did the man in the orange juice factory lose his job? He couldn't concentrate. Oh, man. Well, here we are. They don't get any better than that. (laughs) Here we are at the first message of our series on the fruit of the Spirit. More specifically, how how we can experience God. Through the fruit of the Spirit. You know, speaking of fruit, when is an apple not an apple? When it's a pineapple. Come on. Okay, that's it for this week. I'll move on. Um, Don't worry, I have plenty more. Somebody just got that over here on this side. I want to tell you guys over the course of the next eight weeks how we can experience God through the fruit of the Spirit. I've, I've summed up this whole series into one word, though. It's quite simple. The word is produce. See it? Right there. The word is produce. You see, the fruit themselves are produce. But as Christians, when we apply the fruit of the spirit to our lives, we will or should produce. You'll get that later. You'll be sitting at lunch and you'll go, produce. Now I got it. Here's the thing. As we talk about (laughs) tough crowd this morning. (laughs) As we talk about fruit. And the fruit of the spirit. I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Just kind of hold that place. We're going to get there in a minute. I have to build up to Galatians five. Have you ever noticed the Bible uses the singular term "fruit" when it's talking about the fruit of the spirit? Like they're all one. It's kind of a package plan. They're all dependent on one another for completion. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, he told them to walk in the Spirit, and the fruit would be evident in their lives. And maybe this will help you understand what I'm getting at here. Think of a fruit salad okay there's their separate fruits represented each one is delicious in its own right but when you mix them together you let the juices run together this this just little party of of mingling flavors burst into your taste buds it's like a little party in your mouth with a good fruit salad you get the crunch of a grape and it's enhanced by the softness of a banana whose subtle flavor is brought to life by the strawberry sweetness that's in a good fruit salad it's in that similar way each fruit of the spirit works with the others To create one sweet, tangy, juicy, spirit-filled life. Filled with, say them with me if you know them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's why we have that song, because only about half of you could say them. So at the end of the month, you're going to know every one of them for sure, because that song is going to be stuck in your head. As we get ready for this, will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you have provided something for us that's tangible, that we can wrap our minds around, that we can apply to our lives. I thank you for your word. I thank you for men like Paul who, who lived it and who, who wrote about it and who left these examples. And then as we take kind of a lighthearted approach at the fruit of the Spirit in this series, uh, I pray that you'll just open our hearts to, to how we can use and, and live and, and be an example of each one of these. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As I pointed out a second ago, the Bible doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit. And it's one of those things as kids we overlook. We go, It's the fruits of the Spirit. It's just one. And in my opinion, my humble opinion, love is the foundation of virtue. And, and it must fill everything we do. And I think that's why it's the first fruit. Love encompasses all of the other fruits. Because when we love each other, when we love with the heart of God, we will produce all the other fruit in our lives. We will, we will have that, you know, solid fruit stand, if you will. I was kidding. That was the last one. Uh, man, they're not laughing today. Go back to your regular job of preaching. Got it. Before we get to Galatians 5. <laughs> really? <laughs> Before we get to Galatians 5, I actually need to start in Galatians 1 because I think it's important to bring you up to speed on how we get to the fruit of the Spirit in this letter that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. Chapter 1, and I'm just going to hit some highlights, so you're going to have to kind of just stay with me. Um, but chapter one, he starts off with two major points. He says, first off, there's no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. And then he also explains that he was called by God to share that gospel. Okay. So Paul's setting this up where he's saying, Hey, this is what we're going to focus on. And then he kind of shares what his credentials are. He was called by God to do this chapter two. He shares with them that, that he's been accepted by the apostles Okay, as if God calling him to do it wasn't enough. The apostles have accepted him, and he talks about how he even at one point holds Peter accountable towards his actions about when he was around the Gentiles. Um, And then he, he talks about that we are justified by faith. So then in chapter three, he compares faith and works. Excuse me, faith and works of the law, and he strikes a good balance for us to understand here. He claims that the righteous shall live by faith, but he also talks about the law. And he talks about the promise. In Galatians three twenty three through 29, he says this. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. We are heirs to that promise. In chapter 4, he shares with the church in Galatia, the end with us, that we are sons and heirs. He says in in, uh, verses 4 through 7, when the fullness of of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Why does all of this matter for a series on the fruit of the Spirit? I think because it's in these verses here in these first four chapters where we get a good glimpse of Paul's audience, so to speak. I want to encourage you this week to go through and read the first four chapters in Galatians because in this introduction, you will, you'll see that he makes comparisons. And in this last one, he makes a comparison to the son of Hagar and the son of Sarah just before he gets into the freedom that we have in Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, he says... Um, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 28. He says, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. With that statement... He goes into Galatians chapter 5 with that, that claim of freedom. He goes into Galatians chapter 5, and this is where we're going to spend the next eight weeks. We're going to start with the understanding that Christ has set us free from our sins, but there are still things we must do in applying the fruit of the Spirit to our daily lives. You see, everything in this letter to the church in Galatia has been setting them up to receive this word about the fruit of the Spirit. And basically what Paul is saying here is in order to continue being an heir in order to live by faith, in order to hold others accountable, in order to not be swayed by another gospel or and not to, be, uh, to change your mind because of another teaching or because of another false religion, we must keep in step with the Spirit. Well, it's easy for Paul to say, but how do we do that? We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. I think it's interesting that the first fruit is love. It has to be love. Love is what brings it all together. Love is the, the foundation for all of it. Paul says no other gospel. You know what? Ours is a gospel of love. Christ loves us enough that he died for us. He loves us enough that he conquered death and rose from the grave. And he loves us enough that he's preparing a place for us in eternity. And he has, he has set up for us the very foundation and understanding that we need to defeat the desires of our flesh. I read about those in verses 19 and twenty or through 21. It all starts with love though. I discovered something unique when I was studying over this and, and it came as kind of one of those aha moments for me, if you will. I don't want to share it with you. You see, whenever we study love, we tend to always look to what is us churchy people like to call the love chapter. Who knows that chapter? Yell it out! Go ahead. First Corinthians thirteen. There's the churchy people. Uh, <laughs> we, it's what we call it. It's the love chapter. You cannot search. You can't do a reference search on love without the computer coming up to First Corinthians thirteen. It's like the first one. You just type in love, love. First Corinthians thirteen. There it is. Now, my aha moment actually came when I was reading through 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 7. Go ahead and turn there, if you will. Uh, because what I want to share with you is how 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, it kind of outlines for us how love works with each of the other fruit of the Spirit. It's almost like it was written this way on purpose. And, and it, shows me more, it shows me more time where, where love is at the very center of the gospel message. Now, in keeping with the order and the flow for the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be rearranging some of the order of the verses with 1 Corinthians 13. So stay with me. We're going to start with verse 6. The strength of love is joy. Okay, so he said love, joy. The strength of love comes from joy. Because love doesn't, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. The, the security of love is peace. Love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It takes no delight in evil that's verse five. Look at this: love does not act, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account any wrong suffered. Actually, verse five relates to a few of the spirit the few of the fruits of the spirit that we 're going to talk about next we 're going to find out the stability of love is long suffering or as, as we like to call it patience that 's the one thing you never pray for as a christian is patience because then it gets dumped on you, and everybody's nodding their heads, so you 've done that once or twice um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We should pray about that. Um, but it's patience. Love suffers long and it's not provoked. We have to keep in mind these verses, 4 through 7. I'm going to read them all right now. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth and number 7 is one of my favorites. Because love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Do you see this? For me, this, this little gem of an aha moment called love just jumps out right there. There's no wonder that love is the first of the fruit of the Spirit. The sobriety of love is kindness. Love is not arrogant or rude. Again, verse 5, it doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own that's, that's what those things are. That's arrogance. The simplicity of love is goodness. The first part of verse 4 and the last part again. Love is patient. But the last part of verse 4. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. The Simplicity of love is goodness. The surety of love is faithfulness. Verse 7. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. The selflessness of love is meekness or gentleness. Love does not insist on its own way. Likewise, the self-control of love is temperance. Temperance is self-control. Love is not irritable. It's not resentful. It's not rude. Love does not act, verse 5 again, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. I love seeing firsthand how Scripture unfolds itself for us to reveal the will of God in our lives. And in this this instance, it comes back to love. If you want to experience God through love, it's pretty simple. You have to start by taking the love he has for you and developing that love internally for others. No matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done to you, no matter what they will do to you, love is more than just the first fruit of the Spirit. Love is the weapon that God chose to conquer all the world. That's how he set it up. I want to put a nice bow on all of this love talk. I want to wrap it up neatly. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Remember, our goal here in studying the fruit of the Spirit is to experience God through all of them. And I think it kind of starts here with this verse in Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We can't overlook also John 13, 35, Jesus saying to his disciples, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The, the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, it all comes back to love. Because when we love, When we take the love that God has for us and we internalize it and we pour that out to everybody else in our homes, in our communities, in our jobs, in our schools, that's when we begin to make a difference. And that's where we are able to show love for one another. When we're showing love, we're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You're going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in this building. And again, in our homes and where we go. As we come into our response time today, I hope that you will respond to God in love. Maybe you haven't in the past, maybe you haven't loved others like God has asked you to love others. Start today. Whether it's an old friend or, or a friend of me or that one coworker that just drives you crazy, I pray that, that your response will be love. We need a lot more love in our world and a lot less condemnation from one another. I want to share something else with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Do you see that? All these things that we think we need will be done away. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Verse eleven When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. Think like a child and reason like a child. Do you know how a child thinks and reasons and acts and speaks? Typically, it's selfishly. Most things that happen with a child encompass one word and it's not love. It's, it's mine. Mine. That's mine. Don't you want to share? No. Don't you want to play this game with them? No. You know, we've got kids. We've raised kids. Verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. Everything was its mine. You can't have it. I'm not sharing. I used to think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. And verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to put away our childish things and our childish thoughts and our childish behaviors. It's time for us to begin to really love one another. It's time for maybe some of us to begin to love ourselves. It's time to love our community the way that Christ loves us. Maybe for you that starts with baptism, with with publicly making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Maybe your first step to experiencing God through his love is to repent and maybe as a Christian you need to rededicate and and through that begin to love yourself again. However you respond to God's word today, respond in love, not just for this moment, but for the rest of your life. Our elders are here. If you want to talk with them, if you want to pray, we've got a a place where you can go and, and pray with them. But whatever it is, we really need to start with love. Will you stand and sing with us and respond accordingly? It's been great to worship with you all today, except for the parts where you laughed at me and not with me. Um, (laughs) But it is time to go. As you go, here's one last thought. If you want to be fruitless, you will continue to work in the flesh. And you will compete with our world. And you know, it's kind of like running on a treadmill, competing with our world. You get a good workout, but you don't make any progress. You're in the exact same place you started. But what's great about our God is He won't leave you where you are. When we produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life... You will be different than you were yesterday. As you go this week, thinking on the fruit of the Spirit, produce love everywhere you go. And remember, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So as you go this week, it's time for us to produce. Go producing love. Have a great week.